Hey everybody, welcome to episode 36 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Bynes. You can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. In this episode, I have Jace Burning coming on the podcast. He's the creator and host of the Fantasy Football Intervention and is a writer for Dynasty Nerds and the pregamehq.com. So welcome, Chase. How are you? What's up, man? How's it going? I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited I to be know. on. This is going to be a fun time, man. I cannot wait. Love Dynasty. I'm I'm excited to talk Dynasty 2 with you. We have some interesting uh, developments in Dynasty. Uh, let's just get right in. So we have uh, Leonard Fournette coming back to play Week 7. And Ronald Jones, disappointed. Leonard Fournette actually had a pretty good game. He was the running back 12 before the Sunday night games occurred. Uh, he jumped, he dropped a couple of spaces. But what do you think about Leonard Fournette versus Rojo rest of season? Uh, I don't want to go into dynasty with these two because I feel like there's so much in the air. It's a lot of just saying what we expect. Man, you're going to sit there and say, like, get me all excited for dynasty and then end up pumping it over to rest of the season. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> No, it's it's all good. It's all good. Uh, so for me, Leonard Fournette and Rojo are going to be very, very matchup dependent. I do a lot of DFS as well for fantasy intervention. And it's something as to where it allows me to kind of look into individual matchups, you know, coming up for each one of these guys. So if I'm going to sit there and I, I feel like, you know, maybe Tampa Bay is, is going to be up for the most part and it's going to be a grinded out type game. I'm going to lean towards Leonard Fournette because we all know that Leonard Fournette can handle the volume. You know, he can handle that workload and he could be a great guy that, that's going forward in order to do that for this organization, not just this year, but for many years to come. Although I'm not a big Tyler Johnson person, you know, if I can get him for, let's just say a fourth round pick in dynasty, I'll do that all day because now all of a sudden you got Antonio Brown there and he's not going to see any snaps. When we look at, Mickens, right? Jaden Mickens, he's not affected at all because he's just a kick returner, right? Seal Grayson could end up getting cut. But last week, they had seven different receivers that actually saw a snap, which is crazy to me. Most teams don't roll out or have seven players on their roster. They rolled out seven different receivers that saw a snap last week. That, that's crazy to me. So adding Antonio Brown... That means that they don't have to, you know, burn all these extra roster spots on on wide receivers. So Justin Watson could actually get cut. Now, you know, that remains to be seen because we still have two weeks left, right? We still got to see what happens over these next, you know, couple weeks. But if Justin Watson gets cut, there are plenty of teams that could use a, a slot receiver like him, a big body slot guy. And he could actually end up benefiting from this, right? Like he could end up on a team where he is that that second or third option. I mean, Washington comes to mind who could end up drafting Justin Fields. And all of a sudden, you know, you got Justin or you, yeah, you got Justin Watson catching passes from Justin Fields as the number two option in that offense. So I think that Justin Watson actually won in this situation. I don't think Scotty Miller is going to get cut. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about the idea of a player being cut, but it makes sense. You bring someone in, you got to take someone out. And Justin Watson, uh, yeah, if he can go to somewhere like the, the Washington football team, uh, he can easily become their wide receiver too, like you already mentioned, over Inman uh, or even, I mean, Sims fell off a train track. You know, he hasn't done anything so far. But, yeah, I like that call, and I think that AB is someone that he – I stashed him in a couple of redraft leagues. I was out on him in Dynasty, and in general I still am. I get some people are saying, like, you know, he's talented. He probably can do another couple of years, but – there's still that baggage that I think a lot of teams are going to be very concerned about. And probably the main reason that AB ended up on the Buccaneers was Tom Brady wanting AB to be back there. 
So yeah, I, I like that call with Justin Watson being an interesting guy to look at and he you could get him for what do you think, a 2021 fourth? Yeah, most likely, especially now, man. Like you might he's probably dropped right now. Like, That's why true. would you keep Justin Watson on your roster? He's not been, you know, performing up to standard now. You know, the hope that he could become that third receiver is now kind of just, you know, abolished with A B going in there. I think Justin Watson's probably dropped in a lot of leagues. Yeah, and then if you pick him up and nothing happens after two weeks. You can drop them again and get someone else. It's always an easy transition, especially the last couple bench spots. I always like well, doing that. I'm hoping that he doesn't do anything over the next two weeks because if he doesn't do anything over the next two weeks, then they can cut him. You know, he's going to be the guy that gets cut. So I'm hoping that he doesn't do anything over the next two weeks and then he ends up getting cut and somebody claims him off waivers. That's what I'm hoping for. So you're thinking it'll be more assigned with the team around like week 11-ish is sort of, or I guess it's yeah. coming up week eight. So yeah, week week 10-ish yeah. or so. Yes, yes. Maybe the Eagles. Maybe. No. Wait, is it week nine that AB AB comes back? Because he's on an yep. eight-game suspension. So he comes back week nine. So, yeah, dude, with all the injuries and everything, there's no doubt in my mind Justin Watson's going to get, get cut unless he absolutely goes ham the week before AB, and then Scotty Miller becomes that option. But I don't think they're going to cut Scotty Miller. They like Scotty Miller too much. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree right there. And so the last thing that I want to talk about is more talking about QBs that could potentially lose their starting job after 2020. And uh, with this, this is more talking super flex dynasty leagues because QBs are so valuable. So what are some QBs that you recommend dynasty teams to either move off of or potentially trade for because they have a decreased value? Like one person coming to mind that is a decreased value for dynasty that is producing right now is like Derek Carr. Uh, someone that could be concerning is like Gardner Minshew, uh, Drew Locke, even Daniel Jones, obviously Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky combo. Even Cam Newton, there's been some talk with him. I, obviously, it's all uh, just speculation with Cam Newton and everybody, but uh, who are some QBs that you're looking at to either move off from or potentially trade for on the cheap? So I'm actually writing an article right now that I'm, I'm trying to have come out for Dynasty Nerds, and uh, it's actually focused around Dak, uh, Dak Prescott. And I've had this thing where I think that John Elway, I don't think that Drew Locke is the guy. And John Elway is going to be on the hot seat because he hasn't been able to find a quarterback since what, 2013 or 14, whenever Peyton, you know, retired, he hasn't been able to find a guy. If you sit there, right. And the Cowboys are sitting there and they, they decided to tag, you know, tag Dak and they play the whole, you know, Hey, we're not going to let you go. We're not going to let you walk, but we're also not going to sign you to like a long-term contract. And he's sitting there and he doesn't want to sit for a whole nother year. What if the Broncos, right? What if the Broncos end up going out and looking for a quarterback and they see Dak with the franchise tag and they say, Hey Dak, we got a system set up for you. You know, we got offensive linemen drafted. We got receivers drafted. We are set up to succeed. If you come to us and you resign and you, you know, work at a long-term deal, we'll give you the money that you want. We have the salary cap space in order to do it. And then they offer the Cowboys, you know, two first round picks. Dak goes over there and, you know, signs a long-term contract. Meanwhile, the Cowboys who are terrible actually spend four first round picks to trade up and grab Trevor Lawrence from the jets. So That's I think that Trevor Lawrence could actually be the Cowboys quarterback uh, in 2021. And Dak could actually be the Denver Broncos quarterback. Wow. I, I never really thought about that connection, but at the same time, the, the Broncos do need to do something. They could potentially move on from drew lock and trade into another team that may be looking for a guy to just, Maybe the, the Washington football team is a good example of a team that 
Drew Locke could be moved to because they obviously don't like Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I personally, you know, would still prefer Dak on the Cowboys. I think would, especially with the weapons, but also the Broncos' weapons are pretty solid. Sutton, uh, you have Philip Lindsay, have Melvin Gordon, you have uh, Judy over there as well. Even even Noah Fant, you know, he's better tied in than what they have on the Cowboys right now. So, huh, that's absolutely nuts. And, you know, I don't even know what to say because if that happens, I'll be completely shocked. It's going to break fantasy, right? Like that's that was the title of my article was Breaking Fantasy. So I dive a little bit deeper into that in the article, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's something as where I guess I have to put more fantasy stats in there. That's what Dennis wants to see before he actually lets me publish it. But it was ready last week. I, <laughs> I, I predicted that they were going to lose up against Washington. They got destroyed. They don't have Andy Dalton anymore. It could be, you know, wheels up, wheels up for Dallas to get a top five overall draft pick. Meanwhile, by the way, I don't know what it is going after this week or, you know, after week seven, I should say, this was the research that I did beforehand, but there are 10 teams at the time at uh, following week six that had 10 losses. Uh, I'm sorry, that had, I'm sorry, that had only one win or less, excuse me. That hasn't happened in, I don't know if it's happened ever, but in the past three years, there's only been 13 total teams that have had only one win or zero wins. So it's something as to where we're seeing such a huge differentiation differentiation between the great teams and the bad teams. It's something that we've never seen before. Yeah, I mean, you have the the Jets that are awful. You have uh, I'm looking at the stats real quick. I mean, Chargers and Broncos. You know, they're they're two and four, and then uh, Bengals one and five, Jags one and six, Texans one and six, and everybody was Minshew mania this and that. And he's been someone that I've been concerned about. And there's that. The, the weird little opt-ed with, uh, oh man, uh, Rappaport that, you know, it was more conjecture, this and that. But I still think, you know, adding someone like a Mike Glennon in a Dynasty Superflex, potentially, I know everybody's going to be like, he sucks. Well, sometimes you just want starters. And if he can potentially become a starter and you can you can get him at the very end, then, you know, why not? Uh, even with uh, the rookie, I think it's Jake Lutton, L-U-T-O-N. He's another guy, and both of those are in uh, my Dynasty Web War article that's going to be dropping tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a really interesting stat with how bad or how the lower tier are. And then you have – it's like there's like a weird middle tier too, or even the AFC North, we have the Steelers 6-0, and Ravens 5-1, and and the Browns are 5-2. and And then yeah. Baker went off and got five touchdowns this last week. Uh, you know, we're going to get off topic right here. Do you think OBJ being out for the year helps the Browns because – Baker doesn't feel pressured to throw him the ball all the time? Or do you think that's more just uh, uh, just a conjecture coincidence? I think it helps Donovan, Donovan Peoples-Jones, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I actually am targeting him over Higgins, especially in Dynasty, but he's probably already owned in most Dynasty leagues. Uh, but even for a redraft, I'd be targeting DPJ over Higgins because Higgins, we saw, we've seen it. We've seen it like three years in a row now where somebody goes out and he gives you average numbers. He gives you roster clog numbers and people don't realize like he, especially in dynasty, this is huge in dynasty guys. Roster clogs are like the antithesis of, you know, greatness. That That's what's keeping people back from having a top, you know, three top four roster. It's because you don't take shots on guys who have chances, you know, to succeed. Uh, meanwhile, you have guys that are sitting there like, I don't know, Matt Breida, who isn't ever going to give you anything worth starting. You're never going to feel good starting Matt Breida. Even if Gaskins gets hurt, 
Like, you don't love Matt Breida. You're not like, oh, man, I got to play him every single week. You know, there's just certain guys where you just don't need them on your roster, and you're still you're trying to trade them off. You're trying to move them. Why even roster them? They are hurting your team because you're not taking shots on deeper guys. You're not taking shots on guys that could be the starter on their, their own team and give you great numbers. Yeah, and that's, that's really important, especially if you're doing – I talk about rebuilding a lot. It's like one of my passions is rebuilding, rebuilding as well as – yeah, it's it's fun. Whoa. It's it's tricky though because you know you start off like zero uh, and three, and you're like, oh, time to go into a rebuild without like you know you need to just slow it down. But I I've talked about like because potential points is how I typically like to do my leagues for the uh, rookie draft. It's not perfect, but it works for me. And so you don't want roster cloggers at all in for potential point leagues because then they're getting ten points here or there, and then your potential points are creeping up versus if you're doing just a straight records that does uh, the rookie draft, then it's a little bit different to where your bench can be a little bit more stacked, I'd say. Obviously, uh, you're not trying to tank. You're not trying to start worse players than the other, especially because most of the time that's against the league bylaws. Yep. I think it should be in general. It, it just messes up the league. Uh, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but... No, no, you're fine. Uh, I agree with you, man. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of rebuilding. But if I ha I always play my best players. I don't sit there and tank. One thing that I do do is if I don't have that position available for me, like I, I don't go out and I don't drop one of the players that I think that could do something. So I'll just let, you know, I'll get a zero for that position, but I'm always going to try and play my best positions. Now, with that being said, with the roster clogs, man, like there's so many rookies this year that could absolutely hammer home and people are forgetting about that. Like it takes normal rookies two or three years to get NFL ready. And just because we've had a, hu a few big hits this year doesn't mean that, that, you know, some other receivers still just need time to develop. So those other guys, those guys like, uh, you know, Colin Johnson, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit, those guys are not roster clogs, right? They're not roster clogs. They just need time to develop. They need time to get better. And you got you to give them time. Now, if it's a rookie, I mean, I'm sorry, if it's a running back on a second contract, that could be a roster clog. A Danny Amendola is a roster clog. Yeah. I agree, and I actually realized I never answered the question of some quarterbacks I'm concerned may lose their job after 2020. Uh, I'd say an easy one, and it, this will actually go to one of my dynasty cells. It's going to be like a Philip Rivers. Uh, I don't expect him to be in the league after oh, yeah. this year, and so if you it's can terrible. move him, yeah, if you can move him for like him and maybe a 2021 first for a decent quarterback and like a Jared Goff, I'd do that easily all day in Superflex. This is always Superflex, too. Anytime we start talking about quarterbacks, I'm not typically talking one QB. Uh, another guy I've always been concerned about is Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Real quick, to your point, if you don't, if if Jacoby Brissett's on your you know waiver wires right now, you're not playing fantasy. You're not playing dynasty correctly. Like he should be rostered, 100. He should be rostered because Phil Rivers could possibly get benched if he has like you know two straight three touch or interception games. You know, without throwing, you know, a bunch of touchdowns. Like it's it's not looking pretty over there for Philip Rivers. You need to own Jacoby Brissett as a replacement to get ahead of your league. Yeah, I like that, Colin. I think most every backup well, I'd say probably at least one third of the backup quarterbacks should be rostered in Superflex leagues, if not more, depending on how deep your league is. Well, I'm actually gonna go into my my dynasty ad, my first one. I actually mentioned his name before, Jake Lutton. Uh I I'd even put Mike Glennon right there with him. The reason Jake Lutton is more interesting is, you know, he's a rookie. He was drafted in the sixth round of the NFL draft. He's only rostered in 2% of MFL leagues. Uh, 
And, you know, always look to add potential starting QBs. And if the Jaguars bench Minshew, London could easily find himself being the starter, similar to like what happened with Ryan Finley last year. Obviously, that didn't go well at all. But, you know, they benched, the Bengals benched Andy Dalton, put Ryan Finley in for a couple games, and then obviously went back to Andy Dalton again. So I'm not saying that Lutton's going to be the QB of the future for the Jaguars, but, you know, sometimes QB surprises and blow up. If you look at Minshew, he was a six-round pick last year. Um, not making direct comparisons, but it, it's just don't just say this guy sucks, so I don't want him. And, you know, I would look to add Lutton for any rebuilding team or even contending team and spend about one to five percent of my fab and and Jacoby Brissett's another name that I'd add on to this as well yeah absolutely man Jake Lutton's a, a giant mystery over there uh so I, I'm excited to, to see somebody else man Minshew he's just lost all faith in the locker room I and mean, we saw a shark he gave up on multiple different plays where men where the ball wasn't really catchable, but he could have made an effort to do it. And he was just so frustrated instead of him actually going for the ball. He looked back at, at, at uh, Gardner Minshew and he's like, what the hell? Like, why aren't you throwing me the ball? Why are you throwing it into the, uh, into the stand? So it's something as to where uh, I think he's lost the locker room on the wide receiver side of things. So I think a change will be made here very soon. Uh, within the next few weeks, if if Minshew doesn't step it up big time. Gotcha. Let's actually, speaking of that wide receiver locker room, your ad is a wide receiver on the Jaguars. Uh, I actually have this guy. He uh, I drafted him in a 32-team, one-copy league. That's just insanity. Uh, but this is a, a fellow Longhorn. I actually graduated from UT. Uh, so who's your, who's your dynasty at? Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson is an absolute monster. It was funny because I'm sitting there and we're watching the game and right after the, the touchdown was scored, which I'm going to talk about in a second for the tight end, Colin Johnson's sitting there running back with his teammates after celebrating and his helmet's completely over everybody else's helmet because the dude's an absolute monster. He's like, what, 6'7", six, 6'6"? Six, six? I think yeah, he's the yeah. tallest guy in the league. He's the tallest guy in the in the NFL at the wide receiver position. Uh, he's He's got ups. He can jump and... Honestly, I can't believe the Gardner Minshew hasn't been targeted more. Um, he's part of the game plan, though. He is part of the game plan. When we watched him back, what was it, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, he had a, a touchdown on two targets. Both those targets that were you know, gone his way were in the red zone. They were actually, I believe, inside what they call the green zone, which is inside the five. And it was mainly to him to get him the ball, like, you know, as a as an actual touchdown, I think he might have actually had three targets in that situation. So they are targeting him in the red zone. And then again, this past week, the play that was called um, was actually a route as to where Colin Johnson lined up on the outside while the tight end uh, lined up on the inside. I believe. No, no. I'm, yeah, yeah. Anyways, Colin Johnson went out. If the safety or the linebacker went to Colin Johnson, then Colin Johnson would have been the recipient of that touchdown. If the safety went to the to the uh, to the tight end, it would have been a touchdown for Colin Johnson, one hundred percent. But it was just a it was a read and react type play. Unfortunately, the defense didn't play it in Colin Johnson's favor. Otherwise, he would have two touchdowns on the season. Meanwhile, he's going to be tethered to whatever quarterback's going to be there for the future with the Jags. Which you know, who knows? Could be Trevor Lawrence, could be Justin Fields, could be numerous like numerous different better situation guys for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Gardner Minshew. And he should be that third receiver. 
you know, it's not going to be Conley. It's not going to be Cole. It's going to be Shark. It's going to be Chenault. And it's going to be Johnson within two years from now. So he's a guy I'm, I'm locking in. Sure, you can ride him on the taxi squad if you wanted to. Well, I guess it's too late now. But uh, Colin Johnson is somebody that I'm locking in. And I, I think that he's absolutely going to smash uh, within a couple years. Yeah, I like that call, especially because uh, you obviously have DJ Chark there. You have LaVishka Chenault. And then Colin Johnson could easily become the wide receiver three over there, if not potentially jump the other guys it's it's a lot is up in the air and that's that's the one thing with dynasty too or just fantasy football in general is you can look at the talent of the players but in fantasy football it's all about the points you know we can look at who's the most talented player here or there but if they aren't scoring fantasy points so they don't need to be ranked as high and uh yeah i, I like to call him colin johnson and i actually have another fellow rookie there's this week was like the wide receiver like not, i wouldn't call it breakout week but a lot of wide receivers ended up showing out this weekend. That's Marquez Ga uh, Callaway. There we go. He's a wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. He's currently rostered in 3% of MFL leagues. And uh, he is obviously benefiting from Michael Thomas and uh, Emmanuel Sanders being out this last week. But still, he had a great game. He had eight receptions for 75 yards and was the wide receiver 25 in week seven. Uh, but with me saying, you know, Michael Thomas and Sanders were out, so I wouldn't spend a ton of fab on Callaway. You know, I'd probably go in that 1% to 8% fab, uh, but Michael Thomas is currently out with a hamstring injury, could potentially miss some games. I saw his week eight is up in the air. And also Callaway has been on the field for 50% of the snaps the last two weeks that they've played, and has had over six targets each week. So I think he's a good add, especially because he's a rookie. And uh, like you said, like the rookies aren't roster cloggers, you know, just put them there. And, you know, if he doesn't score any points, then so what? You just keep him there for a week or two and you either hold on to him. Like Colin Johnson, I definitely hold on to. I think Marquez Callaway, you could debate on dropping for another upside guy. But I, he's definitely someone I wish I had more, more leagues. Yeah, and as to your point, uh, by the way, Michael Thomas is not doing well with the Saints. And it, it's something as to where I wouldn't be shocked if they traded him, like, within the next couple of years. He's causing issues inside the locker room. He's causing issues, you know, with other people around the league. And he had some issues with the front office as well. He flat out said at the end of last year that he's not going to, like, he hopes that the coaching staff doesn't call as many plays for him because he doesn't want to get worn down too fast. Like, that's not something that you want to hear from your star receiver who just signed a contract. Now, in terms of the contract, they can get out of it by 2022 and only have $14 million in dead cap space. So I think he's a trade candidate uh, after 2021, which in that case, if Callaway develops, you know, he could actually be a smash play over there and the wide receiver one because I don't know if Traquan Smith is ever going to end up being that guy. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty disappointing, and I know everybody's been hyping him up as you know that cheap dynasty buy for years now. Uh, but let's go, yep, go to your final. <laughs> really, hey, I mean that's one thing with dynasty. If you're if you're hitting at like fifty percent, you're doing pretty good, maybe sixty percent. Uh, but it's definitely tough with how fast the landscape changes to where you know you have Zeke who was looking fantastic, then Dak goes down, and then the team's struggling, and everybody's like. Uh, is he still the dynasty running back three right now? And it's, you know, if you look at just production, it's like, eh, not really, but I'm not going to change my rankings yet. So anyways, who is your next dynasty ad? So this guy, I, I've been really hot on him along with two others. One of them is Colin Johnson in the off season as a late round rookie that I absolutely love. Uh, 
Quintus Cephas is the other one, just so you know, I get that out there. But Joe Reed, man, Joe Reed out of UVA. This guy, he's just something special, man. He led the NCAA, I believe, in, in kick return yards or kick return touchdowns. Uh, he had five. He's a uh, he's something where when he has the ball in his hands, he's able to just do something with it, and it's not really explainable because he doesn't look great doing it. But if you go and you look at his metrics, right, and you look at his measurements, he's almost identical to AJ Brown. Like they're almost identical height, weight, speed, uh, wingspan. It's it's insane. Like I'm talking about, like they're like pounds off of each other, like two pounds, three pounds difference with their speed they ran almost the same exact 40 time in fact if you take his measurements and his metrics they're actually slightly not not much but like a hair better than what aj brown is now he went to uva they don't develop wide receivers over there they don't use wide receivers it is not a wide receiver you know like uh i guess oasis you know where you're gonna find a ton of wide receivers coming out of uva in fact i don't even know if they put out a good wide receiver i'm not a college guy but uh, the the whole concept with you know with Joe Reed and what they're doing with him there is going to be something special. And he's a developmental prospect. He's not like, oh, let's go, you know, grab Joe Reed and play him this week. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I don't care that he had a touchdown. That's not what we're looking for. But it got me a little bit worried. It did get me a little bit worried because two weeks in a row, he was a healthy scratch. And I saw in a lot of my dynasty leagues that he got dropped. Then he was active this week. He ended up having uh, two carries for, ended up having a touchdown on one of them. But you're not going to activate somebody to, you know, just give them a or run an end round with them on one play. Like that's not why you're you're you know activating a guy over you know somebody like Hill. Like they must have seen something in their bye week, or wait, was last week their bye week? Either way, they must have seen something over practice. They must have seen something while in practice that made them say like, "Hey, I really love this guy. Like he's going. You know, we need to get him utilized. We need to make sure that he develops and he continues to develop." So, it, plus he's tethered to Herbert for the next, you know, four or five years. So, that always helps too. Yeah, that helps a ton. And I think last week was, yeah. Oh, no. I know for a fact last week was their bye week because I had four Chargers on a uh, redraft team and I felt like I got stabbed in the heart in week <laughs> six. So, I definitely know that they were on a bye. And I think I'd even add uh, this guy's been producing a little bit more than. Um, what Joe Reed's been doing, but Jalen uh, Guten, I think, or Guyton is how you pronounce yeah. his name. I'd say both of them are excellent ads or even like cheap trade candidates because, like you mentioned, both tethered to Herbert. And yeah, if you can just stash Joe Reed at the end of your bench, if you can stash Marquez uh, Callaway also on your bench, like we mentioned, even Colin Johnson, get those rookies on your bench, uh, especially if you're rebuilding because the odds are they're not going to be scoring a ton of points. So that means they won't hurt you in a potential point league. And then they can maybe turn into something on their own. Like we act like we know everything in fantasy football, but we really don't. So that's why I think you need to look for yourself. Oh, my bad. My bad. Uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding, man. I make mistakes constantly. Hey, it's something that, you know, you just got to realize when it happens. And uh, for me, sometimes I get a little bit down on myself and I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Like I remember I heard a podcast last year that, uh, I was listening to, and they recommended, you know, buying Justice Hill, which at the time, you know, it made sense. He was the guy that was drafted early on. Uh, Mark Ingram wasn't looking as good. And then, you know, obviously that looks like a horrible decision God. now. But, I, you know, I just, love that I just remember that every once in a while, like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. And, yeah, just going to reemphasize Joe Reed, tell it to Herbert, go get him. So 
I'm going to have you start with your, your dynasty buy or sell. Uh, it depends on which way you want to start it, but uh, I'll let you go ahead and get that one. Let's go ahead and start with quarterbacks because you have quarterbacks, you know, lined up as well. So uh, Matt Ryan, he's interesting right now. I'm going to sell him because there's talks right now about Julio Jones being traded. And I think that's extremely interesting. Now, when asked about it, the Falcons flat out said like, hey, we're not making calls, but we're also not, you know, we're not taking the phone off the hook. Like, we'll, we'll listen. So that's interesting to note while the Falcons are sitting there at, what, like one in six now, I believe. So it's it's something as to where like, man, you have to wonder like, although the Falcons are saying they want to win and they're they're playing to win the game and that's what their, their front office is saying, but it's like, are they actually doing that? Because this team has no depth, right? They're sitting there with a, a terrible roster. Their their secondary is a mess. Their defense as a whole can't really you know keep up or compete, and they're losing games late. Like they need to get a culture change in there, right? They need to kind of get a fresh team in there. And I don't know if they're cursed. I don't know what it is, but it's absolutely crazy to me. Now, 2021 was is actually a year following 2021. Matt Ryan is actually able to be moved off of, right? The dead cap space isn't as bad. It's it's looking a lot sexier. But yeah, it's actually an option that Matt Ryan could be traded and be in a lot less advantageous situation. Meanwhile, they just rebuild this whole entire offense. You know, like if if they end up with the 101 somehow, right, over top of the Jets, is it like, you know, un, unfathomable that they would take Trevor Lawrence? I, I think it's actually in reason, completely in reason. And it's something where, hell, they still need to build around him, but they could get, what, a first-round pick for Julio Jones, the contender, maybe New England? Like what? What I do you mean, think? What Julio Jones would go for? I, I think it'd be a first-round pick. The only thing that would make it less is his current contract and how that worked out, I believe. But we saw a, a second-round pick get traded for Sanu, correct, from the Patriots? Yeah, yeah. So, first-round picks, easy, easy first-round pick. Yeah, especially a, a contending NFL team. Let's use that verbiage. But yeah, like a top-end team. Like even uh, shoot, Buccaneers. Why don't you just go for the the, the <laughs> quadrecta? I don't know how oh, I'd even God. say that, but that'd be that'd be insane. But what about yeah, the what about the Ravens? That'd be an interesting one. I don't think I like that for fantasy, but for the Ravens, that'd be a it's good idea. Valuable, right? Like it could happen. Yeah. The, the reality is, is, like if I have Julio Jones or Matt Ryan, I'm I'm trading while I can still get some sort of value out of them. You know, contending teams like at the deadline, you know, it, you could probably still get a late first round pick for Julio Jones. And that's great in this year's draft who, you know, this whole entire thing is, is completely just littered with wide receivers. So, you know, you could replace Julio Jones production very easily with how the rookies are coming out and performing at such a, you know, an early age. So, yeah, I, I really want to move off Matt Ryan. I, he's not somebody that I like. And Julio Jones is also something that I'm moving off of. It's something as to where, I want to get value while there's still value. And honestly, I would have moved off of both of those guys a year ago. So that's yeah. just where I'm sitting with it. I like that, Colin. I think uh, my dynasty buys actually to attack of a low before he even plays a week. Um, and I think sending like Matt Ryan in a 2020 first for Tua, as long as that first is a mid to late and it's not like a rebuilding first, you know, it's going to be very early. I think that's a very solid trade or even, even Matt Ryan and Julio Jones for Tua in a Superflex League, a 12-team Superflex. I like that trade as well. But the reason Tua for me is a buy is, uh, I mean, he was a elite prospect coming out. Obviously, he had the hip injury, which is uh, what ended up dropping his stock a little bit. And then Joe Burrow ended up, you know, exploding. But 
I think a lot of people are forgetting how good Tua was in college, as well as, you know, we've seen Burrow play. We've seen Justin Herbert play now. And if there's got to be three awesome quarterbacks, that'd be fantastic. And I think Tua can do it. And also Justin Herbert's value has just exploded. Like I was able to trade a 2021 first in two leagues for Justin Herbert uh, to draft Justin Herbert. So it was for a late 2021st or early 2022nd. But it's that trade is just something that I thought, you know, you need QBs in Superflex. It's really valuable. And I feel like Justin Herbert had a chance to be a great QB. And so far it looks right. I don't think we need to be anointing him as some uh, fantastic player yet because we've seen players flash like Baker Mayfield before. Even though Baker, he did have a good game. Still a fan. But uh, with all this just saying, you know, send some offers for Tua. If you can trade away. Actually, let's go. To, I'm going to go straight to myself. Uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Philip Rivers, sell him for a younger quarterback. A uh, guy I really like is Jared Goff. He's someone that continues to produce. Uh, he's not a sexy name, but, you know, he produces. And if you can send any of those guys in a 2021 first for Tua, go ahead and do that right away. Um, that and their defense is going to be worse uh, over there with the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, they're going to have to rework true. these contracts here in the next couple of years. So Goff going into his prime could actually be, uh, you know, in a perfect position to have like a Dak Prescott esque year without the injury. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that call with, uh, with golf, you know, with the defense and he's someone that for me has always been a buy just because he continues to produce yet. No one wants him on their team. I'd even say like, if you can move any of those three older QBs for someone like even a Carson Wentz, which people are still pretty sour on, even though he's been playing well the last couple of weeks, uh, trying to think of a couple other names, like potentially even like a, a Derek Carr, you know, you could probably get Derek Carr in a 2021 second for Drew Brees from a contender. You know, a lot of people are down on Carr, even though he's been producing. Dude, Carr's been a monster, man. He has been. And that's why I think you you have to, it depends on the person. If someone's more focusing on name value, I think you can, you can get Carr from him pretty easily. But if someone's focusing on actual production and what we're seeing, then it's going to be a little bit tougher. But yeah, try to move on from those older QBs, even if you're a contender, and try to buy low on Tua, or not really buy low, Honestly, it's probably a buy high, and I'm fine buying high because I think his value can even go higher than what it is. So, Chase, who is your buy candidates? I'm kind of in the same boat when it comes to you know buying high because Swift and Antonio Gibson, um, they're both doing extremely well. Antonio Gibson had his breakout game this past week. Hopefully, Jaden McKissick doesn't you know affect him too much going forward. But both those guys are going to be expensive. However, they're not unattainable yet, right? Like. You know, in, in Superflex, I guess you would probably do what two late first round picks or maybe a, a late first and early second would be the cost for them. So I think Swift is probably I I more lean towards like a player in a pick. So I'd say um, if you're trading maybe like a Miles Gaskin and a 2021 first, a mid to late, mid, probably mid 2021 first, you may be able to get Swift. And yeah, Gibson's right there. He's he's obviously a little bit cheaper because people didn't spend that draft capital on him as much. And so it's more that cost benefit ratio. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think about, yeah, first and a second, that's pretty, that's pretty good price point. Yeah. Those are, those are my two favorite, uh, you know, running backs moving forward. So, and, and Swift, I was super high on Swift prior to the season coming in. Antonio Gibson, I was decently high on, but I wanted to see the transition. I still drafted him in all my rookie drafts in like the early second round, but yeah, no, I, I think that, Swift and Antonio Gibson are going to smash going forward and they're going to be running back one for multiple different seasons after 
2020. So you got to give him a year. You got to give him time to get rid of Adrian Peterson to, you know, shut up carry on Johnson and to, you know, move on from JD McKissick and Peyton Barber. But after 2020, it's going to be, they're going to be expensive, man. Like if we come into next season, right? Like season hasn't started yet and you're sitting there in August what is the asking price going to be for Antonio Gibson and Swift? Two, 20, two first rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Like easily. Like, so it's going to be two first round picks minimum and they're not going to be late first round picks. One of them will have to be early. The second one, probably mid late, but the, the first one, it's going to have to be like a top five pick, top four pick. These guys are both going to skyrocket with their value. Get them before they're unattainable. Yeah, and honestly, the this rookie class in general, uh, I like the philosophy of you know drafting these rookies early and often during startups because you know the value can only go up in general. Uh, you, know, I actually wanted to ask you about James Robinson. He's someone that uh, he was hard for me to pinpoint at the beginning because you know he's an undrafted rookie, but he has been just you know absolutely balling out and. I've started to put James Robinson up there with like the, the James Connor tier, I'd say like the Chris Carson's and all of them uh, because, you know, he, to me has high uh, volatility for going into 2021. But I also like the idea of, you know, James Robinson uh, most likely has a little bit more stability than those guys and is actually producing at a high level because the Jags have so much they need to work on. And if they move on from Gardner Minshew, then, you know, it's a first round pick on a, on a quarterback, it probably needs some line help. You know, I don't know the exact team needs, but this last week, James Robinson, 31.7, and this was PPR points. Uh, that was higher than Swift scored in week six. So how do you see Robinson compared to, you know, Swift and Gibson? So James Robinson, for me, is higher. Uh, he is higher than – James Robinson is higher than James Conner. It's not even close for me. I, I don't know how many years James Conner actually has left as a starter. Uh, he's playing well this season, but you know the guy's injury prone. So I have James Conner significantly higher than that, but I don't have him anywhere close to the tier of Antonio Gibson or or Swift. I think that Swift and An Antonio Gibson, along with Jonathan Taylor, are going to be in that elite tier, and Clyde edwards Slayer will be right behind them. But uh, it, it's something as to where like James Robinson could be that guy that's you know crushing it this year. And then all of a sudden they go out and they draft a running back in the, the second round, you know, to pair with their quarterback. And all of a sudden James Robinson is now splitting snaps with, you know, a second round pick, like what, with what happened with uh, Darrell Williams or I'm sorry, Damian Williams, even though he opted out. So yeah, it's something as to where I don't know that I want to pay for him, but if I have him, I'm holding him. Like I'm not trying to trade him. But I'm also not not trying to acquire him just because of the uncertainty following 2020. Yeah, I, I if like that, makes that sense. call. No, it, it does. And uh, the one thing for me that I was actually struggling with is uh, Cam Akers versus James Robinson. I currently have Cam Akers just one spot above James Robinson. But uh, with how – well, we'll see if he does anything this week. Probably not with, you know, how, uh, how <laughs> the Rams just have been with running backs recently. But – Cam Akers is getting in that interesting position for dynasty running backs and that, you know, it's so important to have that production early and we're just not seeing it. Yeah. It, Cam Akers is, is not somebody that I was very high on once he went to the Rams. I, I liked him before the, before the draft, but I think he was my running back four before the draft. Following the draft, he dropped all the way down to the, to the late second round for me. Uh, the Rams flat out said they want to use a RBBC. 
So it's no secret that they did it, but they just spent pretty much the same draft capital in Cam Akers that they already had in Henderson. Plus you have Malcolm Brown, who's the coach's pet over there. You know, it's, he's a team pet. So Cam Akers is not high up there for me. I have Robinson a good amount ahead of, of Akers. Gotcha. Yeah, I I just uh, looked at my rankings and I was like, yeah, I need to change those around a little bit because uh, I know Dynasty, you don't need to be changing it a ton, but I think the running back rankings is something that you can move it around a little bit more, especially when you get all those rookies all together. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the, the Robinson talk, and I agree that he's definitely someone that I was way too low on after the couple weeks, but I, I've started to raise up on him. And would you agree that his value is like a 2020 on first right now? Late first, late first, late first. I, I would, I would dare to say he could be an early second at the tail end of the season, depending on how the season goes. Um, so yeah, like I said, I just, my rule with, with acquiring players, especially when it comes to first round picks is know their situation and know what their role is going forward. If you have any kind of question mark as to their role moving forward, then I don't want to invest in them. Like I'll invest in Swift because Adrian Peterson is not long for that team, right? Carry on Johnson is not long for that team. We already see what the trend is going. We already see where it's headed. Neither one of those guys are going to affect my, my rookie running back early or, you know, beyond the season. Antonio Gibson, we know that Jaden Kissick, you know, should not be a thorn in his side for, for years and years to come, maybe 2021 to an extent, but Antonio Gibson's going to be the main back there. I don't have any question in my mind. He's uh, pretty much a poor man's version of Christian McCaffrey and is getting utilized like Christian McCaffrey did in his rookie season. I don't have any question in my mind. He's going to be a running back one. If I'm going to trade a first round pick for a player, I want to be sure of their, I want to be sure of, of their situation. And we don't know what the coaching staff is going to look like for the Jaguars. You know, maybe they get replaced. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be looking like. We don't know what the, uh, you know, what the defense is going to be looking like. And if if they improve the defense and then, you know, worse of all, we don't know what he is going to be looking like in that backfield. So if I have uncertainties, I don't move first round picks. I like that call. So awesome. I had a blast tonight, Chase. Do you have any projects you're currently working on? Oh man. (laughs) <laughs> what do I not have going on? All right. <laughs> so if you guys want to go check me out, you guys can check me out on Twitter, FF underscore intervention. That's FF underscore intervention. We're over there at fantasy intervention guys. We're, we're having some fun. We're kind of blowing up. It's been absolutely insane. I do anywhere from uh, six to 10 podcasts a week myself. The rest of my team over there is absolutely crushing it. Uh, the rest of my team is, uh, is, doing probably close to like seven different like clips and you know quick hits along with one other podcast that we have on there as well it's it's just blowing up we're working on our website right now we're working on actually our our clothing line as well so we're gonna be having some fantasy intervention stuff coming to you guys here very soon i'm really excited for that everything's kind of just coming together uh meanwhile i'm over there doing every other sunday night i'm doing a recap show for dynasty happy hour on the podcast and then i'm writing over there for dynasty nerds and i'm ranking so yeah Huge shout out to Dynasty Nerds. Love those guys. Everyone, real quick, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Snake in the Drop podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's be snakes this season. Mm-hmm.